0: You are now listening to Talking That Talk. I'm T. And I'm Key.
1: And we're a show of two informed and opinionated Black women. Each week, we will discuss thought-provoking ideas, life experiences, and perspectives with each other and special guests.
0: So buckle up. Because because it's it's going to be be a hell of a a ride. ride.
1: This time on Talking That Talk.
2: I just had like, what looking back was a very deep dark depression but um, I hate to sound all corny but like that is what really led me to really find my light and find just kind of like quote unquote the light um, just in life I think that um, when you're in dark places you either get darker or like beautiful things can be born it took me it took me getting to the absolute end of myself and 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 getting to the worst possible situations that I could imagine to really get to know me and really start to face those things that beforehand I was running from or like beforehand I didn't even know existed. And Nobody would say anything. And it wasn't until then that I realized it's because I was painting a black woman. Like that's literally why. Like it wasn't because I was painting a woman. It was because I was painting a black woman. And that's kind of when I first realized that I was doing it. Like it wasn't Unintentional choice, um, and up until that point,
1: hey Key, hey T,
0: how are you, girl? I'm doing good. I missed your
1: spirit. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. i miss missed your spirit too. I've been needing some laughs. You know, things have Me just kind of hectic. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, cool. girl. Working from home is actually no joke. So, you know, it's and hard working from focused, home during a right? crisis. Yeah, because there's just so much other stuff going on. There's so much uncertainty, but I've been seeing a lot of kind of like quotes and things on Instagram that just kind of talk about, you know, like you don't have to be super productive in the house because everyone expects you to be. You can actually just like take time for yourself and that is perfectly fine. So
0: I've been Well, listen, doing we always start our episode with a quote. So what you got for me today, girl?
1: Oh, well, I have a quote that perfectly describes some of the content of this episode. I think uh-huh. yeah, we're, we're going to talk about art and activism and mm. also the our guest Spencer's unlikely um, journey to art and like how she became an artist. So the quote reads, I will not have my life narrowed down. I will not bow down to somebody else's whim or to someone else's ignorance by bell hooks.
0: Mm, I love that actually.
1: Yeah, like it really just talks about how like you can live your life And you can do whatever you want to do. And just because it doesn't have meaning for someone else, it can have meaning for you. And you don't have to have your life narrowed down by what someone else expects you to be. And even if that version, sometimes it's a great thing, right? Like our parents or someone wants us to be a doctor or a lawyer or these Mm -hmm. different, take these different career paths, but that's not what we want to do. So that's really something that her journey highlights. And I'm really excited to bring her on today.
0: Oh my gosh that really resonates with me because that's just kind of been like just my whole life and I don't think you know what I would say that my parents have always allowed me to do what I wanted to do but I still just felt like this you know pressure to just be great you know what I'm saying just so yeah that definitely resonates with me but y'all before we get started we need to do some housekeeping we don't do it but we're doing it this episode (laughs) (laughs) we do need to
3: do some housekeeping
0: (laughs) please 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 follow our podcast on ig at talking that talk and it's t-a-l-k-i-n okay talking that talk
1: (laughs) yes because that's what we're doing
0: so, we have a very special
1: guest, super dope, talented artist, Spencer. Spencer, yes, founder hey, of hey. Whimsical Black Girl. Hey, Spencer.
2: Hey, y'all. So, it's so good to be on the show. We
1: really want to know who you
0: are, for me especially, because I know you're a teased mm-hmm. friend. I really want to know who you are. Give
2: me some details, girl. Um, so first off, that is such a complicated first question to ask, because you can answer that in so many different ways. Um, so there's like the resume version of me where like I talk about all my accomplishments. There's like the, you know, the personal version of me. There's like the artistic version of me. So I'm going to try to like pull little things from like all of those different realms. Um, and hopefully that can give you like a kind of in-depth answer that yes. Cool. yes. That's yes. perfect. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so who am I? I am Spencer Staltz. I know it's a boy's name. I am a woman. Uh, <laughs> I'm a black woman. I am from Columbus, Ohio. Um, I started off going to hockey. I was studying political science. I love the community side of politics. I hated the politics of politics. And so... Um, I ended up transferring schools and I started focusing more on my personal artistry. Um, I'm a visual artist, so that means I work a lot of things, um, just with uh, any kind of visuals I've gotten into digital design. Um, and I painting and ceramics and drawing. Um, I got a master's degree. It was kind of random. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I just got a degree because it was free and I was trying to buy myself some time. Um, But it turned out to actually be exactly what I needed. And we can talk about more about that later if you guys want. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, so my graduate degree is in Pan-African studies um, and I have a concentration in Black visual art history. Oh, and so, yeah, it was cool. So what what started off as being something really, really random and kind of like, just doing it just because I didn't have the courage, I think I should say, to do what I wanted to do, ended up being exactly what I needed to do what I wanted to do. Um whimsical black. So yeah, so that's I'm a Virgo. I am very emotional and sensitive. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Y'all Virgos (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, but we're the best Virgo though.
0: Thank I love you, a good Virgo. I'm not gonna lie. I love a good
2: Virgo. <laughs> I mean everybody does though. Like, and that's not to be cocky, but like one thing I realized is that Virgos get along with everyone. everyone. Like yeah. every there is not a sign that Virgos really like clash with. Like we even vibe with Scorpios and y'all they know some Scorpios are like they're like the <laughs> future of of the astrology. Like they're yeah. literally like the futures of astrology. So If a Virgo can get along with everyone, like, you just know we're something special.
1: Yeah, and just, I think (laughs) more so than just being a Virgo, that's you in general, Spencer. You just really do shine a light, and you just, people (laughs) just, you know, people gravitate towards light, so it's not only your sign, but it's just, like, who you are and what you've created, like, through your journey, um,
2: you know, it's.
1: Oh, to we're
2: only five minutes in and you're gonna make me cry you know how mushy <laughs> when it comes to you <laughs> i know it's all my that i mean honestly i i mean i don't even know what to say back to that i think um that's that's always something i've wanted to do is kind of be a light um partially because i think i've always needed a light and never really you know had a light mm-hmm. or found a light and so i think that um I'm realizing that most of my life, uh, not just professionally, but even just personally, it has been like becoming what I always wish I needed or like, you know, what I see is just kind of missing in the world. And so, you know, that touched my heart. I don't know if you can feel it all the way in Cali, but my heart is (laughs) like.
1: <laughs> <Oozing>. <laughs> uh, I think.
2: Well, I actually want to elaborate
0: on this. You have me interested now. Um, your mm-hmm. need for finding your light, because this is something that I
2: struggle with as well. So,
0: yeah, can you tell me a little bit about that journey of finding your light? Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, that's a good question. So, I think that. So I've come to understand my identity through a lot of, like, variations. Like, mm-hmm. for me, like, astrology and just, like, knowing I'm a Virgo is, like, the most, and, like, knowing I'm, like, an artist is, like, the most surfacy, uh way of understanding myself. And then, like, when I dig deeper, like, I look at my personality type, which I am um, a ENFP. And I don't know if you guys are into that, but it's so interesting to learn about your your personality type. Um, Because essentially you're learning about how your brain functions. Um, This is all really random, but I promise it's going to come together. (laughs) And so I started looking into my personality type and that gave me so much clarity into just why I am the way I am. And it literally talked about the functions that your brain uses, like to understand information and your experiences. So I started digging deeper into my personality type. And also like, if you want to get deeper than that, um, I'm pretty religious. And so all of those kind of things, I think interact and me. Um, and that was a journey starting off when I was young. Like I remember being like four and a half and like vividly being aware of the fact that I was not receiving enough love. And that sounds so dramatic Mm. and I can't be dramatic. Again, I'm an artist, (laughs) but I remember knowing it, like I could, I could feel it. And like, I didn't even like process it in words, but like in my core, like I knew, like I was not getting enough love. And then like, you know, around 10, like I recognized like my family and I love them to death. Like they are an amazing group of people, but like, I realized my family was not able to love me in the ways that I needed love. And so Mm -hmm. it stopped being that I wasn't getting love. And it started, like, as I matured, I just understood, like, the people around me, like, they don't know how to love me the way that I needed to love me. And it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I'm like, well, damn, like, I need to figure out how to give myself that love because ain't nobody about to give it to me okay Um, so i think that the beginning of of that journey of just finding light started with with a lack of love um and i think that's when i started just being very self-aware being aware of the people around me um being aware of who i could share what with and so like and my family like we hang out all the time like they are some of the closest people to me but i just realized like that closeness was partially out of proximity It wasn't out of intimacy. Right. So I started being aware of like how I can like love others and like where I get like my joy from and things like that. And I think that for me, I think light and kind of like joy and balance and peace are all kind of not interchangeable, but they all kind of go together for me. They so. Exactly. Good work. Yeah, Yeah. I like that. They correlate. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, so, like, I had uh, just realizations throughout my life. In high school is when I started kind of just thinking about the idea of God and, like, what that meant. And, like, then I just thought, like, you go to church and there's God. And so there was that for me And then college around my junior year. That's when things started, like, shit started to hit the fan for me. Um, And I think that that's when I really really began my journey of finding my own inner light and you know finding light in the world and other people um so like you know like those epiphanies when I was four and like those understandings and things like that those were kind of like little like you know drops of like cookie in the forest and then I didn't really really start the journey until my junior year of high school I mean ooh college I'm getting old but yeah that's when I started um trying to build a relationship with God and kind of assessing my relationships with people um and that's when I really started to grow and if you want me to get more into that I definitely can I just feel like I've been rambling for a really long time. no we're listening yeah okay okay well thanks y'all but um yeah so so junior year of high school I mean damn it college (laughs) junior year of college that is when um literally like my whole world kind of shifted for a lot of reasons um the first thing so like you know like I went to Howard it was the best choice you You know know. (laughs) (laughs) and so it was the best choice I think I could have ever made um it was where I knew that was the first time in my life um when I was like walking um, through the yard on acceptance students day. That was the first time that I knew I was supposed to be somewhere. And that sounds like kind of me random, but like no, me when too. I tell you like in my <laughs> Yeah, it was
1: like it that
2: was same like in time, my that whole same being, day. Like, the same place. <laughs> yeah. hmm Exactly. Like I, I knew it. Like it wasn't like, well I think or like I feel. It was like no, I know. Like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so then I had a lot of life lessons where like things weren't working out with like the finances. Um, I literally didn't know how to, I was going to go to college and it was really confusing for me because it's like, God, like, I know that Howard is where I'm supposed to go to. So like, why isn't it working out? Like my parents, like couldn't, um, take out loans. Like a lot of people, like, offered to be closer, and they could, this is my and, story. Yeah. <laughs> and so literally it wasn't until like, I I distinctly remember like praying this prayer. Mm-hmm. And I said, listen, God, like, I think you want me to go to Howard. I'm not sure if you want me to like, I'm not sure what's going on. Like you're not saying anything to me. And I said like, so I'm going to give you the weekend. Uh, yeah. I put God on the deadline. That was bold of me in retrospect. Like, he, Oh, he, that was real bold. He could have smacked I'm me down, but like, <laughs> I just said, like, if you don't let me know anything by Monday, like, I'm going to just go to the school. I got hella, like, Fulbright scholarships to other schools. It just wasn't where I knew I needed to be. And so mm-hmm. I remember, like, the weekend kept passing. I'm like, okay, God, like, it's Saturday. Like, what you got for me? And nothing happened. And then it was Sunday morning. And I'm just like, hey, like, we still here. And then... um we went to like this water park, so I kind of forgot about it. And then at the end of the day, we were driving home and like I could, I, like it hit me. And I'm like, damn, like God didn't give me no breakthrough. And I was like heartbroken. and I'm just sitting there like trying not to cry because I'm in a car with other people. And my big cousin who went to Morehouse and my other, um, his friend who graduated from Spelman were both dri- like in the car. Hey. And I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, long story short, and I don't mean to be like too preachy, but long story short, Um, on that drive home, this girl who was maybe like 25 at the time, um, she offered to co-sign for like a $25,000 student loan and, um, listen, literally. Mm -hmm. And she was saying like, (laughs) and it was like the last minute, it was like that last, like do or die moment. And like, he came through. And, um, the reason why I mentioned that story is because that is what started, the whole inception, like I feel like it's been like an epic adventure of just like my relationship with God and it's been a journey. Um, most of it, a lot of it has sucked, not most of it, but a lot of it has also had the most beautiful mm-hmm. parts in my life. But I mentioned that because that was the first time that I had like an, a direct like experience for myself with right. me. And that, like, I moved on to kind of live my life, like, not literally like that, but live my life where it's just like, all right, like, you got me and, like, I want to make sure I'm always in your plan. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I mentioned that is because, like, so my junior year of college, um, a lot of stuff was weird. Like, I was, like, kind of not feeling like drinking and smoking anymore. And, like, you know, but, like, all of my friends kind of partied. So I was in this weird space. And, um, and like, I remember, like, my French professor, like, peer pressured me to study abroad. And, like, I've been taking French since I was in kindergarten. And so um, he told me, like, there's nothing else you can learn. Like, there's nothing else I can teach you. Like, you can't learn anymore in the U.S. Like, you need to go to France and you need to speak the language. And that's the only way you're going to keep progressing. So that was another whole experience with God where it's just, like, l- literally, it was like a miracle how that all worked and then on top of that like I was getting paid to live in France which like what what but in order awesome. to yes. I know right <laughs> <laughs> but in order for that to happen like I technically had to transfer from Howard and um, technically be a student at Syracuse University through their SU abroad program and so the plan was I was going to technically be a Syracuse student for that semester and then just transfer back to Howard for the spring semester because I was studying abroad during the fall semester. And um, I remember being there and like they gave me my financial aid package and they literally were just going to pay for the rest of my school. And um, I remember like thinking like, well, I'm still going to go back to Howard. Like I'm not going to Syracuse. Like, Who even heard of Syracuse before? (laughs) And then like... um, my mom, like, who was taking out just thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in loans, she said, like, I'll support you with whatever you want to do. If you want to go back to Howard, I'll take – I just need you to pray first. And so I prayed, and literally I heard God say, go to Syracuse. And I was just like, oh, no, 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 no. That can't be <laughs> you. Like, if it is you, you must be tripping. Like, no. Like, I'm a junior. I got one more year left. Like." like no no and so uh with that like i just told him like if this is really you you're gonna have to give me some crazy signs and then he just started giving me sign after sign after sign and i don't want to ramble too much but all of this is really important because all of this led to me transferring to syracuse university and um if you don't know anything syracuse university is a pwi d1 school big on sports it's in the middle of nowhere new york like New York State, it's way upstate. Um, it's closer to Canada than it is New York City. And when I say it's the middle of nowhere, like I promise, <laughs> I'm not being dramatic. Um, it's literally the middle of nowhere. Like the sun rarely shines. It's just a dark, dreary. Terrible now you see place. why they paid him. Like, why <laughs> they paid you to come there? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they gave me Hella bands to be miserable. Um, and I can I can honestly say like transferring to Syracuse was some of the darkest and lowest and just worst times of my entire existence. Like it yeah. has been. Um, yeah, it was it was bad and it was hard. And I think that um, I don't think most of the people who know me could really understand like how low I was and I was just in such a bad place. and. I mean, you know, you take the the culture shock of going from Washington, D.C. to, like, very rural New York. And then you take going from, like, you know, a prestigious HBCU to going to now a PWI. Like, there were all these factors that I didn't realize. And then you take, like, you know, like, the fact that I'm black and, like, I get vitamin D from the sun. And, like, in Syracuse, the sun shines for maybe three months out of the year. And after that, it's overcast. So, like... I just had like what looking back was a very deep, dark depression. But um, I hate to sound all corny, but like that is what really led me to really find my light and find just kind of like, quote unquote, the light um, just in life. I think that um, when you're in dark places you either get darker or like beautiful things can be born and Yes. We're um, quoting that. It took me We're quoting that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> but um it took me it took me getting to the absolute end of myself and and, and getting to the worst possible situations that I could imagine to really get to know me and really start to face those things that beforehand I was running from or like beforehand I didn't even know existed. And so I um, started going to therapy just cause like I literally didn't have anything else to do. Like I started like do like my grade every single semester since I was here. Um, and like, you know, my family's super proud, but like, I don't think they understood. I literally had no friends. And like, I had to try so hard to make friends Like and it just never worked. And like I think it was I was meant to be alone, but at the time like it really hurt. And like tyranny can understand this, but like key, I was like a social butterfly. And I like Yes. I'm very extroverted and I just love people. Like I love people and I love to love people. And people love you, so like (laughs) what's wrong with them? (laughs) Well thank you. Listen, I'm not even going to listen, I'm not even gonna go into that because Yeah. But um Yeah, so it was it was shocking, like it was shocking, like, to be honest, to be around groups of people who just like had no interest in me and like, um, I had no friends. So like, I would just do my homework all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, I was beasted shit, like, but um, yeah, so it was it was in that dark place where I kind of had to face me and um, face my past, face like my childhood face things that like I didn't even know were an issue and I did that like you know like I grew really close with God just because he was literally my only friend like I would FaceTime like my friends at Howard but like and like from back home but like life kept moving without me and so I had to kind of pick up my pieces because I felt very broken um I felt empty I felt alone I was definitely like Syracuse is a very isolating place like um And, like, it was literally just me and God. And we just started picking up the pieces together. Um, And I'm not saying the only way you can find light is through church. That's just where I find Mm -hmm. my light and and my um, peace and joy from. So I found a good church. Um, I started going to therapy um, because my school paid for it. And so it was just free therapy. Um, I found a black therapist. And, girl, she... She changed the game. Read your and, life, right? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, she was just, she would just, like, smack her lips and look at me, like, when I would say, like, when I would kind of say some goofy stuff. And she'd be like, Spencer, now you know. And I'm like, all right, all right, you're right. Like, I can't, I can't lie to you. Um, and I started finding, um, yeah, I think the most important thing, though, was I got me from, from being here. And I think that a lot of times when people are looking for light, like they look for it through a lot of like external Mm -hmm. things, which isn't, it's not bad. Like have a healthier diet or like become vegan. And it's not bad to like change your lifestyle. And like all of those are important and they make up like, you know, like your, your bodily chemicals and your brain fluids. But on a a core thing, um, I had to understand that my my light kind of comes from within and that's where it's born in. And that's where a lot of the pain and suffering that I had to deal with uh, still resides. And I had to come to peace with a lot of stuff, but also like there's so much beauty and there's so many like good things about myself. Like I didn't realize until I came to Syracuse that like I had really low self-worth. To where, like, my self worth was predicated on like how people responded oh my to me, and, like, how much people <laughs> liked me, you know. So true, <laughs> and <Yeah>. so like, <laughs> yeah, and so like, and and up until I came to Syracuse, I had never been in a space where everyone didn't absolutely love me, and that's not to be cocky; that's just how I that's, that was my experience mm-hmm. in life up until that point. And everyone loved me. Girls wanted to be my friends. Guys wanted, you know, to smash. And so, like, (laughs) I was always, like, I was always, like, so I think, like, elevated in other people's, like, Mm -hmm. minds that, like, that was how I understood my worth and my value. And it wasn't until all that was taken from me that I'm like, well, shit, like, I don't even know myself. And I don't even like the things that I do know about Mm -hmm. myself. And so, um... It's been a long journey. Like I remember, I was telling my boyfriend and my best friend, like this pa- like in, like this was the first time that like I've passed myself in the mirror and like was like, oh, I like you. You know Same. what I mean? And like, yeah. At this point, like it's been what I transferred here, uh, January twenty sixteen. It's been four years of constantly digging through the darkness, mm-hmm. um, terms with the darkness. Uh, in order to find the light, and I'm still not out of it, like i'm still i think I'm definitely out of the depression for sure thank you Jesus but like um i am I'm not all the way out of the darkness, and I think that's a lifelong journey yeah. um so everyone's is gonna look different, but that's kind of how i I got my light by going through the darkness, not just facing it but going through it and kind of living it. With that. yeah person?
0: and i also want to just say like so i've been <clears> talking <throat> your art <laughs> um there's one piece that really resonates with me it is the um black uh-huh. woman that's crying like gold tears into the wine glass girl yeah. just read me i love that one i love that one um and i just want to know like also okay so i'm in an art appreciation class and um Oh nice. Yeah you know <laughs> I actually have to work. <laughs> <in this class. laughs> He's always complaining about this class. <laughs> <laughs> this <thing laughs> needs some work, so I feel like I can apply it to this situation. Um, I noticed that when I'm appreciating your art I see a lot of light there and um, mm-hmm. I guess I really want to know what inspires your artwork and like the the women that's in your artwork I'm like are these like her friends family like where do you get these images of these women from
2: yeah um that's a really good question um first off thank you (laughs) you just make me feel (laughs) super special I love when people like enjoy experiencing my art and Mm -hmm. I I like to say experiencing versus like looking at it's an experience um because I I and that's what I Good art makes people feel like it makes them think and reflect and it kind of elicits some type of reaction even if it's a bad reaction and so um, that particular piece that you brought up actually a client of mine she saw like a digital design and she wanted me to recreate it and put my own spin on it so that's what I did for that one so that one it didn't all the way I'm sorry I don't mean to disappoint but it didn't all the way originate from me because she came to me with an image and wanted me to kind of add my flair and recreate it. That's personal touch way. did me wonder though. Um but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I try. <laughs> I definitely try. But um most of my art, it's either me. Um, sometimes it's my friends, like I kind of pose them, or other times like I'll literally just see an image and then like my brain like will create a painting. And it's like this this thing like I know why artists are a little crazy now because you literally see things Mm -hmm. like in your head like you see things and that's where you know beautiful artistry is it is made from like you see things in your head that don't exist and so you kind of have to like get it out of your head and create it in painting so that's kind of like I'll see an image and like I'll just react to it like It'll make me feel happy or I'll just appreciate the way the light hits her. And I'll be like, I want to make that and add something to it. And so most of the time the images that I use, they're called like photo references. Um, I usually use because it has made Mm -hmm. me feel something. And I want to convey that emotion through my lens, if that makes sense. And so that's usually what guides a lot of my art. Um, and I I mostly have been doing portraiture now and just portraits of people, which is funny because I used to not be able to draw a face to save my life. And now that's like all I can draw um, or paint. So, yeah. So what inspires me really is just the emotions behind people. Like when I look at a face, a lot of times, like I get a feeling from people, like just people. So like. My mom used to always tell me, like, you have such a discerning spirit. And like there are times where like I would see someone's face and I could not Ooh. stand to be around yeah. them. Like no, it sounds kidding. yeah. Like <laughs> Yeah. And like <laughs> but it's real. And like I literally could not and like, you know, now that I'm more spiritual, I realize like there's something in them or with them or around them that like my spirit doesn't sit with. But like when i was younger it was just like oh like i would my family would think i was tripping all the time but um so the same thing happens with like images like when i see people's faces like i it's like there's a it's hard to put into words but you just feel it it's like a knowing and like an emotional reaction like Girl, kind of all when we get one. done with and this so picture,
0: when we get done i'm about to send you a picture of my face because uh-huh. i want to know yeah. <laughs> what do you
1: think? Right? Like, like, how does it make you feel? Actually, Spencer, um, it's so funny you said that Key. That's so um, funny. Spencer's doing like a commission painting of, um, that involves my face. So I'm really curious to know um, yeah. how she ends up. but I'm so
2: scared it. of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so scared to do really? that. Because it's you and your siblings. Yeah, because like, Well, first off, tyranny, and I'm sorry to go into, like, a tyranny fest, but, like, (laughs) when I say, like, you just, like, not just your face, but, like, it's more so, like, your essence or, like, your being. Like, it literally makes me emotional, and I don't know Mm -hmm. why, but, like, actually thinking of you and who you are, like, it, like, makes me tear up a lot of times. And, like, I don't know why, but you've always had this reaction to me. Like, I remember... Like when, like I first met you, and like we were like in the same organization, and I had one conversation with Tyranny, and I was just like, I told all my sisters, like, don't even, don't even talk to her, like, don't talk to Tyranny. You have no reason to talk to Tyranny because <laughs> Tyranny's mine. <laughs> no, she's <laughs> serious. <laughs> I'm totally not joking at all. And <laughs> like, I've never, like, I've just never, like like love somebody so instantly and like literally before I even knew you and it was the same with Brianna too mm-hmm. um that's our, special. That's our baby but like yeah yeah and we and we have other babies that we love dearly but I mm-hmm. think there's something like when your soul connects with someone else's like
1: it's rare
2: it's just like it's it's rare and it's like you it your your body feels it like your heart feels it like you just like you it's it's an experience and i think that that's what happened with hearing so trying to draw her face like imagine having all those emotions towards a person and then trying to paint their face like that just scares me
1: Uh, that when you put it like i'm gonna do it
2: (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean like it's just scary not scary in like an actual scary way but just in like a not only do you just want to get it right and like just do like do it justice, but like you're you're going through like you know, like your understanding of that person as you're creating, like recreating that person. So maybe I just take like my art really, really deep. But it displays though. It really um, shows. It shows for real. Like <laughs> like
0: the details, oh. like the shine well, thank you. of like I'm just like, uh and I really, and I was also want to say, too, <laughs> that what I really love about your art is the variety, mm-hmm. girl. Like, the assortment. It's just. Yeah.
2: This, mm-hmm. this, yes, the beautiful Black shape, women.
0: Yes.
1: Like.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because,
1: like, key, when you ask that question, yeah. I see myself in Spencer's art. Like, I see myself. I see my mom. I see my aunt. Mm-hmm. And I really yeah. hadn't, I haven't seen art that makes me feel seen the way like I ordered a mm. shirt from your um your company and it's a it's a woman I can't tell if her her hair is embraced or locked but she's just kind of like sipping mm-hmm. on some tea and it just made me yeah. it just made me feel like that's just me on a shirt because that's just that that's literally how I just, I just be chilling on tea and you can tell she's like thinking about something because you know black women we mm. just have these faces or my face I can't really mm-hmm. always control <laughs> my reaction to stuff and that's just how like your art makes me feel seen and like I just makes me curious like had you seen art like that or what made you decide to start painting faces that like like this you know
2: so that's a good question um up until I transferred to Syracuse I really didn't paint people like ever like I just I felt like I couldn't so most of my art and I'm looking at it on my walls right now it was a lot of landscapes it was a lot of buildings like nature drawings like it was never or like items or things like it was never people and i remember transferring the series and i i made one painting of a person before i transferred and it was like the last painting i made um and it was at howard and it was just like a black like woman so a lot of things led into it it was kind of just my my like study so i was a political science major at howard so it was a lot of black studies a lot of culture and a lot of um, a lot of just like learning about Black history, essentially, especially Black like communities. Because my minor was in community development. So then, when I transferred to SU, um, I went a little piece of Howard. So I added African American studies as a minor and painting as a minor. So my degree was in political science for undergrad, but I have minors in African American studies and painting. So. I started taking these aas classes and i was taking like three at a time and like i remember i started having like i was reading slave narratives and i was um you know like one time like i had a nightmare that i was a slave and, like, i've had that too mad at- yeah she was <laughs> mad i didn't go to trader Joe's oh for gosh. her and so she was about to come with me but like i was just really deep in black mm-hmm. studies um always like I've i've always been into black studies and like I always joke about how my mom is, like, low-key a Black nationalist. And she don't even know it. But, <laughs> me um, too, girl. It was never <laughs> – and same here. I can be kind of <laughs> radical with my politics. But um, for me, it was never a conscious decision to just paint Black people. Like, and I think that at first I didn't even realize that I was only painting Black women until, like, we would have the critiques in my art classes – and I was the only black woman in most of my classes. Um, and it was usually white women. And, like, I would put my, like, art. Class. No one would say anything. Which, like, if you've ever been to a critique, like, people can, like, talk about your work. Like, people, like, will go ham on your work. And people will tell you what you did wrong. Like, how you can improve your technique. And, like, these girls would just sit and stare at my painting and not say anything. Mind you, old girl next to me sewed fucking cotton onto a canvas, and they talked about it for an hour. What
1: but I paint,
2: like, listen, and that's no shade. I'm not in all. All art matters, yes, but like, you can talk about cotton like sewn and glued to a painting for an hour, but like, I have this portrait that I know isn't perfect. Turns mm-hmm. on my technique. That's what a critique is for and um, nobody would say anything and it wasn't until then that I realized it's because I was painting a black woman like that's literally why like it wasn't because I was painting a woman it was because I was painting a black woman and that's kind of when I first realized that I was doing it like it wasn't an intentional choice um, and up until that point and then um, Elizabeth Catless said a quote that I just heard in the past year, but resonates with me. It, she said like, I paint black women because I am one. <laughs> and like, that's what I know and that's what I am. And like, you can't like, you can't paint. For me, I can't paint something that I'm not or that I don't resonate with or think about or believe or like, you know, like something that isn't me. And so um, It wasn't intentional at first I was just painting like I was doing a lot of introspection, which I think is why I just started painting people at that time. Um, I was facing a lot of my demons. I was taking a lot of looks at myself. And so I started off painting a lot of self portraits. Um, But my second semester at Syracuse, when them girls would never comment on my art and it would piss me off because like, no, I'm not going to call them racist. I don't know what they are but it pissed me off because i'm like a painting of a black woman sitting and smiling makes you this uncomfortable like so i'm gonna make sure y'all are uncomfortable every time i do this critique and i would be in after the rest (laughs) of the year exactly and so like it kind of was me like not being petty because but it was just like i couldn't understand how like i could see if it was a a black woman who had just beheaded a white woman and like there are paintings like that but it was literally a Black woman sitting calmly in a cute little dress, like, staring off into space.
1: Yeah. Spencer, do you know why it bothers them? If this them? makes you
2: uncomfortable. Well, no. You but you, you know, you, you have, that have that a off. few reasons, I'm sure. But, like, it bothers <laughs> them
1: because you were taking space there. And, like, and not only that, exactly. but, like, your painting were qual- was quality. And you could have benefited from critiques, of course. We all can. And they, they didn't want to like give you the satisfaction of being there and taking up space. And of course, there are other ideals. You said they weren't racist. I would say they definitely had some racist ideals uh, maybe in there because yes. why would, it's an art class. Why would you not critique? And, and you're sitting next to a painting of a <laughs> black woman next to cotton. I could tell you a million thoughts and critiques about that whole Girl. situation. <laughs> you didn't got this started,
2: honey. You <laughs> didn't got it. A... <laughs> I didn't even think about that. What? Now you got me pissed off. No, oh, no, dude, they they should have had <laughs> so many thoughts. If anything, a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's well real. sometimes I think and,
0: well, my thing was like... not to cut you off. Oh, I just ahead. think sometimes No, you're good. Now right, like it could be some racial undertones there, probably. What? <laughs>
1: probably. Okay.
0: <laughs> Most likely. <laughs> uh, however, I think too, like that's just to me some jealousy, you know, like they probably knew your shit was bomb. Mm. And they
2: probably their shit was probably not as bomb as your shit. And so <laughs> and I was thinking about yeah. that. And I was thinking about that, but y'all, like my first portrait, I'm not even gonna hold you. Like it was trash. <laughs> like it wasn't trash. I want to see like, your first portrait. Just based off of I'll send you a picture, but like just off of like technique mm-hmm. alone like it wasn't the best it wasn't and I'm not and I'm not like downplaying myself like that's just being straight up it wasn't the best and that's that right there is what got me because I could see if I made a bomb portrait and they're just jealous like I could see that but I know it's not and so I'm coming and like I just want someone to help me get better and their refusal to engage stung so Mm -hmm. much because y'all are like you can clearly look at it and see that it's not as good as it could be and y'all won't even Mm -hmm. engage it like you know what i mean like y'all won't even help me get better like this makes you so uncomfortable or this makes you feel whatever you're feeling to the point that you refuse to even engage it and that's what's if i just knew like i had a bomb painting and you know, like they're just like, well, like it's. I mean, there's nothing you really could have done. Then that'd have been fine. But like, there's so much I could have improved on, and y'all are just like, you just won't, you know. Like it, it, it filled me with. Then it, like, if you're a hater, like I, you, you know, I can call it like that. But like, I don't think it was that, and that's what really hurt me.
0: You know what? I'm glad that we're here, like in this current part of the conversation, because I wanted to talk about artistic activism. And mm-hmm. you talk about here, and um, you're a poli sci major. And yeah, um, for me, and I wrote this down. I feel like art gives us mm-hmm. perspective, and it's a medium to reflect on ourselves and our surroundings. Okay. Yeah. Do you think that some there are art that's like also regressing us like not us as a people but like showing like the wrong image to people you know because like when Mm. when i when i think about art and like just um just like the different cartoons that they have black people back in the day like you know there Mm -hmm. are like museums that kind of hold that as art you know and i'm like
2: "Eh, yeah that ain't art (laughs) so Mm -hmm. i think that there's a responsibility (laughs) there as well um I have a lot of thoughts about that. I'm so glad you asked that. That's actually exactly what my graduate thesis was on, um, was on (laughs) this concept called post-blackness, which basically was an idea that really made shit hit the fan in some ways, where um, basically a really prominent art critic, art critic who was extremely powerful still, um, her name is Thelma Golden, and she mentioned how, like, She basically kind of coined this idea where she, um, we are now past a point in Black art history where Black art like basically carry the image or the weight of creating Black people in a specific way in order to, you know, garner basically human equality. Mm -hmm. Um and she coined that and she was saying that it's called post-blackness because up until recently, which I think it was, it was the early 2000s. Um, she's like, it. There was this idea during the Harlem Renaissance and during the Black Arts Movement, which would look like coincided with the Black Power mm-hmm. Movement, where um there were a lot of heavy hitters pushing the idea that Black art needed to uplift Black people and Black art needed to portray specific types of people um black people and portray black people in specific types of ways, so that black people could essentially so that the blackness could only be portrayed right and so that and so that essentially especially during the art was used in a lot of ways to to vouch for that like hey guys we actually are human like we're mm-hmm. not three-fourths of a human or like we deserve to vote because we can make art like you know what I mean which I completely understand that but think about that concept in 2020 and think about how problematic that is that artists are restricted to only creating art a certain way because white folk what can't imagine a black person who, you know Yeah, it's a complicated conversation with museums, like museums, like kind of walk on the line of being politically correct and setting the trends with also pushing the boundaries. And like, I'm not sure what cartoons you looked at, but like museums are intended to steward history more than they are to, to, you know, pat people on the back. And I think that some museums do this differently than others, but the cartoons you probably saw, which are probably extremely problematic, like they're part of history. And so then you you get to the conversation that, that is just like, what parts of history are we going to acknowledge and keep? Mm. And like, what parts of history are we going to pretend like never happened? Mm-hmm. You know, like, so they're basically so,
0: necessary, essentially, to remember or remind us. of. I think so. Yeah. yeah,
2: and I, but I also mm-hmm. think that like when you're when you're engaging the parts of history that you would rather forget, like mm-hmm. you need to do that with the utmost respect and care, especially with Black stories in America, because I think that ooh, I'm about to rant, but. Um, <laughs> like a lot of museums where they mess up and I'm not saying a white curator cannot curate black art or cannot handle or tell these black stories. But like, that's literally like, have like in a lot of ways, I personally believe that it's like having, how do I say this without being, um, without I just, you know, like, if I'm ever a curator, like, 10 years from now, I just don't want this podcast to, like, bite me in the ass. And so I'm trying to choose my words really wisely. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so a white white person can't tell black stories. But I think it calls into question how well, like, you know, black stories Mm -hmm. are told. And whether they're doing that with honor and integrity, whether they're actually listening and hearing and things like that. So the art world in general... There's a lot that comes into play where just like there's still debate about um the role a curator should hold, like the role an artist should hold and the role that a museum in general or an art gallery should should hold. But essentially, I don't think this should be I don't think art should only have to be about black goodness or black Mm -hmm. beauty, you know, like I think that in order to normalize blackness and in order to understand the humanity that black folk have always. Not all blackness is like, and I'm not talking about like surface level, but blackness is some, like, you know, like there's ugliness in everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think that holding black folk to this inhumane and impossible standard is problematic. And I think that um, it's impossible. It's impossible to keep up with that image because it's not
0: real. Yeah, I think you're
2: you're like hitting the nail on the coffin because I think
0: it's just, it's also like we need to tell those other
1: stories as well. So, you know, mm -hmm. I get where you're coming from. 100%. Yeah, Yeah. me too. Something that you, something along what you just said that brought up something for me was Um, with you know white artists curating black arts and just how that that is definitely possible because you know Mm -hmm. artists can see things how they see it but also i think that Mm -hmm. black artists Cure, probably curate Black art better. Actually, I'm not trying to uh, be a curator, so I'm just saying- Oh, that definitely. I won't. It the shading okay girl, the that. highlight? Yes. I, think black, <laughs> I think Black artists can curate Black art better. And I'm not in the art world, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that we have this Black experience and we understand mm-hmm. and know our humanity, the good and the bad, better than anyone ever could. Yeah. Any art curator who's who's studied it for 150 years More than that person could know it because there's something (laughs) in the experience that you just can't sit from the outside Mm -hmm. and just understand immediately. But I think that um, just kind of something that you said was just to appreciate what everyone could possibly bring to the table. I think it's something that's very Mm -hmm. beneficial. But I do think that because um, something that happened in your experience where basically they they wouldn't give you a seat at the table by by partaking and uh, critiquing your art and allowing mm-hmm. you to get better and that kind of still plays into where the art world probably is in terms of like black artists not really oh, having sure. seats at the table to Definitely. curate curate their own war- art and to show mm-hmm. how they want to show it because yeah. because white artists aren't allowing them
2: into those spaces mm-hmm. and it's not just the white artists it's like the, the white need, like so to give you some perspective non-black um, yeah yeah <laughs> Well, no, not even that. I'm just thinking in terms of statistics, like ra- just like racism exists in society, like the art world is no exception. and I think that there's a lot of claims and beliefs liberal and it's super like it's a world where like everyone's accepted, and that's not the case. And, and we know that's not the case because in, there was this um, study, I believe it was the New York Times who first published it, where out of all of the major American museums, um. So you know, met the MoMA, like you know the the big the big dogs basically, in the last decade, all I, in all of the major museums, only four percent of the art that these museums bought were was art made by mm. Black people, what? like four percent of all of the art that was oh bought. My God. That's crazy, and by and it's crazy because
1: Black is in. Black has been <clears> in for the last few years, and they're not buying exactly.
2: The art. And that's the thing, like black is in black is in vogue and but that's part of the that's part of the problem. Like the fact that vogue and the fact that the norm is white, like whiteness, Mm -hmm. you know, like blackness being in vogue, like that's not really an upper hand because trends pass. Mm -hmm. So what's gonna happen when this black trend pass? And especially if it's
1: only at four percent right now. And that's that must say that if we're going to museums and viewing black art that we think is black art, it's probably mm-hmm. not even created by a Black person, so we need to be more conscious of who's creating the art at the mm-hmm. establishments that we're
2: supporting. Exactly, and that's it right there. And But it's also a double-edged sword because if you aren't supporting certain establishments, just their audience is not going... Like, if you're not demanding something, mm-hmm. you know, like, museums are also kind of like a supply and demand. Like, they have an audience, and... Um, You know, a lot of their art kind of engages their audience. And so if their audience isn't black folk, why would they need to buy black art? Or why would they need to showcase black artists? Like we need to write letters and emails for them.
0: (laughs) I will be at the Museum of Fine Art when it opens up at the door.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And also (laughs) That's real. And I mean, but and then that gets complicated because there's a whole board of directors that, like you know, is inaccessible. And so like it's it's like America, like yes. the museum world is just like America, like just like everything in America, America. Um, and so and I'm not trying to complain, but just to just I just want you to get some insight into just the way the art world functions, um, because out of that 4% of artwork like made by black artists, even less of that was a black woman, mm. you know, like that was Ooh, so true. And so, um, and to kind of bring it full circle to your question about, like, why I create the art I create, like, Tyranny is a grown woman, and for the first time, she's seeing art that just makes her see Mm. herself, that just makes her feel, Mm. like, seen within herself and her core being, and so part of why I only... just like that's just I just didn't think of it and now I am very intentional where I only paint black women and I have no plans and no intention of painting anything other than a black woman I might paint a black man with a black woman or like paint a black man admiring a black woman and it's just because like not even just to like reclaim my time and take up space but really just because like and a lot of like in history, like up until very recently, like the art didn't. Not say it didn't exist, because it definitely there has always been black women in art, especially you know like they were the maidservant, they were like the the things like that. Um, but I just so normal to where like when our kids are born, there aren't any more tyrannies or key. You're you're black art and you're just now seeing art that that resonates with you or where you can see it, or your family or your life reflected like I want there to be so many pictures of black women that it's a normal thing to where like Mm -hmm. our kids aren't even thinking like oh that's a because it's it's because everything is so saturated with it does that make sense right Um, Yes, and we're gonna
1: saturate the world with your paintings yes one black girl (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk a little bit We're about trying. Black Girl just <laughs> a little bit. Yes. I want to know
0: yes, what sure. is behind the name, where do you get it from? And yeah, yeah. is
2: your mission and everything. Mhm. Um that's a that's a great question. So, um Ones Black Girl right now it's an online platform. Um eventually I'm going to have my own community art center and I want to have my own gallery, like a for-profit gallery and then a non-profit community art center. Um, yes, entrepreneur. But that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's I'm here for it. Listen, we're we're working. We're working. Right now it's an online platform and, and it's an online platform that I really wanted to just create a space and like a website um that kind of honors and champions and empowers um black women and black creative women. And I use the word creative loosely because like I feel like even people are creative. You're creating something. You know, like, you're adding your flavor to something that, you know, you're making. And so I just wanted a space to do that. Like, I guess my three pillars, which is through um, promoting creativity, promoting authenticity, and promoting connection. Um, Mm -hmm. So the creativity part comes in with, like, the art and the things that I produce. And I also have two, the nonprofit sector, I have, like, kind of creative initiatives um, to just um, give back to black communities Um, and then the connection part I'm still working on. I've had a few ideas that I'm really excited that I can't all the way talk about now Mm -hmm. but um, just like connecting other black creatives together something I really want to do Um, and then authenticity is just kind of like a personal thing where like where I've just learned especially being in Syracuse that like I have no hope of success unless I'm being all the way me and like being transparent and being and I am when I am me the most like that's when things just work right um but also like I I feel like I can't really have true success if it if, if it's not me doing it or if it's not success in a realm that I really value and so really pushing for everyone to just to kind of embrace themselves um, and we're working on how that translates into practice, but yeah, so that's what Whimsical Black Girl is. Um, not only do we sell art, but eventually, um, I'm going to offer like art classes and things like that, but soon come, I'm, things are kind of in transition cause I'm, I'm preparing to move. And so it's a lot going on, but, um, the name Whimsical Black Girl it- this sounds really selfish but it's kind of an ode to like the child me (laughs) um and I talked about this in another interview um where like I was just talking about how like there's this um there's this thing in like therapy there's this concept of like you gain healing by talking to your inner child and kind of reparenting your inner child and like um consoling your inner child and just being very aware of your inner child and your inner self and like the hurt that you've endured and like a lot of times like in therapy like they'll tell you to literally imagine the child you and um and like talk to yourself how you would talk to your inner child and like there's all these like these concepts that evolve around just healing a lot of pain that you've had and um so I think that without realizing it initially, the name whimsical black girl I used to describe, like, it's, I mean, that's just me. Like, I literally <laughs> am a whimsical black girl. It, it, she really um, is. <laughs> and, um, but I didn't realize it until I started thinking about it. Like, that was me kind of giving an ode to, like, my inner child. And a lot of, like, my artistry, like, a lot of my artistry, um, how do I say this? me being an artist has been a huge shift. I started off as a political science major and it's not like I was creating art and doing politics. Like I was, I thought I was going to be a politician. Like I was volunteering with local government. Um, I had internships like with the mayor and like, I literally was going to be a politician and I chose that route because I knew like my family, it would please my family. Like I don't come from money, like the opposite. And so I just wanted stability and so when I started kind of embracing my my true self and when I started embracing my artistry I got so much backlash um from the people I didn't expect it from and um part that was partly why I was scared to even pursue art in the first place because I I I knew I was going to get critiqued and before I wasn't strong enough to really withstand the the critiques from you know people from loved ones. And so I, um, as I started really embracing me, embracing my artistry, which is such a big part of me, um, I had to kind of, like, feel that inner me and, like, There were a lot of times where, like, I got in, like, altercations, like, with loved ones where they're just, like, you know, like, why the fuck would you even go to college if you're going to be an artist? And, like, um, you know, like, are you just not going to have a job? And, like, things that were just really hurtful. And that's a whole different conversation. Um, Just, like, when I started to take the steps to, like, you know, just doing what I wanted to do. And so I think that naming it Whimsical Black Girl was kind of, like, you know, like, F all the noise, like, F what you think, like, I am going to honor me, and me authentically, right. and so, you know, like, I've always been so whimsical, and super, like, flowy, and, like, flowery, and ethereal, um, and, like, you know, like, it was, it was, it was, yeah, so, I hope that answers your it question.
0: It did, I'm here like... for it, I'm here okay. for it. Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah it does it does perfectly describe me and so what I thought began as a description I realized was really just me like full-on owning me and kind of like giving like my child the you know like the the Spencer the child Mm -hmm. like just
0: kind of giving her a hug well
2: I would just say Um, Spencer
0: you are a brand honey you are a powerhouse (laughs) you are and I'm so (laughs)
1: grateful (laughs) Just,
2: you know, can you give us Thank a shameless you. plug? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shameless plug for your website, your IG. All right. Yes, yes, yes. So, you can follow me um like we talked a lot about whimsical black girl. So, my website is www.whimsicalblackgirl.com. My Instagram is whimsicalblackgirl. Um, my Facebook business page is Whimsical Black Girl so just get all up in the black beauty and then my personal Instagram is um, Spencer L'Oreal so that's I mean damn I don't want to have to spell that I'll put in the link (laughs) in the show notes okay perfect Mm -hmm. yeah so that's my personal Instagram but like I have the separate business account for everything there's a part on the page if you want to be a part of something really great Um, I have a creative fund for young black women and an art supply donation fund. Um, And it's really just to give funds and like creative supplies to people who can't afford to engage um, the creative arts. And so if you want, you can donate money. You can donate. um, What's that stuff called? Art supplies. (laughs) (laughs) You can donate anything if you want. And we're going to really start pushing that in the next few months, but. Yeah, if we're shamelessly plugging, let's plug away. Yes, we are. And also, (laughs) I
1: want to add, as a shameless plug, to uh, com. You can also find Mm -hmm. puzzles, journals, art. Well, first Mm -hmm. of all, excuse me. Uh, You can find art by (laughs) Spencer. (laughs) You can find art by Spencer where she has some pieces. purchase mm-hmm. and also I purchased yeah. a puzzle, a t-shirt, mm-hmm. a journal and exactly. I'm like oh, well, well. I'm, I'm actually wearing it today so oh, I'm about to go That's so funny.
2: I forgot like I literally forgot to even say all that stuff. I'm just thinking of like the non-profit stuff but yes I put my art on cool things like puzzles and t-shirts and so um, <laughs> she does. <laughs> definitely supports. Thank y'all. Of
1: course. I um, so mm. I, have, I know we've been hitting you with the questions, and you've just been telling yeah. your story, and I'm just so thankful to hear everything. Yeah, I I do have one <laughs> more question for you. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. So yeah.
1: for people who don't consider themselves artistic, how should they try to mm-hmm. find light in their lives? I, it's really mm. for me. I've been trying to paint, and the best yeah. I've got is a flower. So I'm just, you know, so- Ooh, I love that
2: flower, girl. Uh uh-huh. <laughs> you better water that flower <laughs> <laughs> thank you I will um, yeah but um that's a good question um that I think I'm also still trying to find the answer to in practice because like in theory what I would tell you is um something that I myself need to learn which is like when you're when you're creating anything even if it's not art or like a painting, um, even if it's just like you know you're you're bringing you're manifesting an idea. Um, what I would tell you in theory is to be very present for the process and try to find joy in the process, and um, that's a whole thing that my mentor always tells me. Just about life that I'm still learning how to do right, which is like mm-hmm. not focus so much on the outcome and what the end result live your life and live what you're doing and be present for whatever the process is Um, and when you really focus on the process um, I think that you're not as like worried about like whether the picture looks good or not like you're focused on like oh like what happens when I mix colors like what happens when I reshape the clay this way you know what I mean so that's what I would tell you in theory but I also know that that's not like the world we live in And I'm still trying to figure out how to, like, uh, how to come to terms completely shit art. Two months, I have not, like, all my art, it just feels like trash. And so um, I know that it's not that easy. I would say is, like, find what works for you. Because it might not be art, and that's okay. Like, you don't have to... You might only like the art you make when you go to a paint and sip or like you might want to, you know, start doing like more abstract art or whatever the case may be. But um, I guess in practice, the best I can say is to just expand your understanding of what creativity is, because mm-hmm. in its essence, creativity is is creating it's putting action behind something. Exists in your mind and the process of creativity is that action right that manifests into something in the material world that originated in your mind and so like I would even go as far to say like tyranny with your fitness like that is a form of creativity because you're you're working to build a body that didn't exist before you put the work in to build you build it. a like, body. You know what I'm, I'm here like, for it But it's it's real. You know, like you're you're taking like an idea of like a level of fitness you want or like even like the way you want to look and you're you're the process of working out towards, you know, like the goal. And like yes, you have the goal in mind, but also like that process is what you know is the most important part and that That goes to everything, like not just making art, you know, really does like, you know, you can apply that to life. But um, even just with a podcast, I guess ideally you guys want to be able to like have hella subscribers and maybe even monetize it. But like what's most important is really being present on these calls and letting these people you talk to change how you understand thing you know what I mean so like mm-hmm. really focus on the process because all of these processes like the process of creating a podcast like that's a form of creativity and connection and community building and so yeah uh, I, w- I would say focus on that
1: I love that actually it's so funny that that's that was your key piece of advice because you know in my engineering training one of my really good friends will always mm-hmm. just tell me like love the process love the process and here we are mm-hmm. process engineers and i hated being an engineer uh-huh. i hated it and it's like love the process and it's really something i've also just tried to take with me to my life because just being like you know yeah. away and getting a degree that i don't necessarily like i love this degree program but do i love being here not not making money mm-hmm. no but i'm trying to you know, love yeah. the process so it's it's true it's, it's cool to find to think that we could find creativity and other things that may not Mm -hmm. be art, because let's face it, my flower is probably not getting Well, I was going to also say (laughs) I was (laughs) going to also
0: say that in the art appreciation class, I have learned that anything can be art, girl. It will be a rectangle. Uh It will be a little, a a red
2: rectangle, and they're like, this Feeds da 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 and I'm like I don't see it I don't see it <laughs> and that goes into a whole other conversation of like politics of what constitutes art and can we say like which I have my opinions but again girl I just want to know I, before we go <laughs> do you really consider that art like for real like <laughs> no keep in mind she's trying to
1: be a curator key can so, okay, okay blowing okay. her cover
2: <laughs> no, no, no. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. <laughs> <Blow her tongue>. <laughs> <laughs> so, realistically speaking, what I will say is that, like, my nephew, right? Like, my nephew is five years old. He's the best person to ever exist on this mm-hmm. earth. And um, he is actually, like, a genius art, like, art maker, right? But he started off with making shapes. And I will never tell my three year old nephew when he was three at the time. That what he created with paint and paper isn't art. Like, I will never tell him that. Partially just because he's grown. And, like, he's actually a really dope artist. But also, like, art is the result of creativity, which is the result of just creating something, like I said. And I have a very, I think, abstract approach to art where, like, when you're taking an idea that only exists in your head and you're using these materials to make it that's mm-hmm. art making okay um wow. so I think but I also think there are different levels and different there's different levels just like to everything like you know there are people who go on a run once every two months and then there are you know like fitness trainers and like people who compete and you know the both of those you can't say that neither of them work out but those are completely different levels of fitness and so you can apply the same concept to art so when you see a dot on a on a canvas, a one red dot on a blank canvas, I can't tell you that that's not art, but I can say that there are just different levels Listen, of Listen, I'm and... just rambling because I'm
0: in this art class <laughs> and I
2: keep... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, also, you're probably like, is it like... N- not to be funny, but is it like... I- or it's by a black person. not at an HBCU,
0: okay. no, and it's not taught by a Black person. Um. So, however, so, yes. I do say she does incorporate, you know, little glimpses of Black art, which I'm very appreciative. And when we yeah. have to write well, our what, own little journal entries, I always find the Black art in the textbook just to be like, hi. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I will
2: say to that is that, like, just, like, different, like, communities and cultures have different values. like, Yeah you probably have a definition and understanding of art that is um you know eurocentric art making eurocentric uh contemporary like you right. know in vogue practices and so just take it with a grain of salt and like what yeah cuz can, yeah, we we've been talking for hours, so I don't. Right, know. right.
1: I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna walk him, away from this. But... Like, okay, I am an artiste. Yeah, we're gonna Be put okay. it on the table.
0: We'll put it on the table. We'll table it. Yeah, <laughs> we're
1: table. Okay, so before we go, for real this time, we do want to mm-hmm. announce our, our giveaway, and uh, yeah. we came up with some stipulations. So, do y'all mind if I announce them real quick? Wait, can I no, enter? because I want to win some. <laughs> yes. You <can. laughs> no, you can't answer that house. You can't answer. I'll I'll buy you something from her website. I'll mail it to you. But you can't enter our giveaway. Okay. So here are the rules. Okay. There are three rules for the giveaway. Are y'all ready? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the first rule is the per- the person must follow at whimsical black girl which we'll, mm-hmm. we'll put all the links in the bottom. The second thing you must do is follow at Talking That Talk mm-hmm. on Instagram. And the third mm-hmm. thing that you need to do is comment on our giveaway post, which we will create on the day that this episode is released. And you need to comment your favorite Talking That Talk episode
2: on that mm-hmm. post. That's it. Yeah. It's That's easy. it. <laughs> yeah, so super easy, super easy. Three and steps. you get a super cool... It's a beautiful black woman sitting and meditating on the cover of a journal. Um, And so, yeah, so like it's a really simple way to just, you know, get your quarantine meditation.
1: And get some free art by Spence. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And you can't, I couldn't think of anything better to give a person. So, girl, can I go tell my mom right now? (laughs) She is cheating. Okay, so all y'all into the giveaway, we're going to put it into a. A random processor and whoever's name Mm it spits out, it better not be (laughs) Kiara. She can enter as long as she doesn't give her no. No, she can enter. (laughs) She supports. That's funny. (laughs) Well, Vincent, we want to thank you for coming onto our show. We're so happy to have you, and you really shed light on so many different things that I hadn't even considered <laughs> and yeah. I need to go use my journal to meditate and reflect about my life now so thank you
2: <laughs> well thank you for having me I really like honestly I'm an external processor so I love talking to people because it helps me get my life so thank y'all for having me I love this show and I just love you know what y'all are about so feeling mutual shucks thank you <laughs> <laughs> All no right,
1: this has been talking that talk. I'm T, and I'm Key, and I'm <laughs> Peace. Bye, <laughs> bye, y'all. Bye. Thank you. Mhm.